Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. Well, this morning, uh, we're going to talk about receiving the disciplines of the Lord. Receiving the disciplines of the Lord. And we talked about the spiritual disciplines that we all should implore, make it part of our lives. And so on, on, on the end of that, I want to expand that a little bit. And we're going to talk about um, not only spiritual discipline, but that this is a discipline within itself. Learning how to receive the disciplines of the Lord. The discipline of the Lord. So if you like me, I, I, I like to look up words to find out what they actually mean. How many know that words is always evolving, right? Um, what meant something 20 years ago, even last year, means something totally different this year, right? Uh, and so uh, we, we see that words, but the, but the core or the basis of it uh, remains the same. So the word discipline means the practice of training people to obey rules or a code of behavior, using punishment to correct disobedience. Using punishment to correct disobedience. Uh, it also means to train someone to obey. When we talk about the disciplines of, of the Lord, we're talking about receiving the training of the Lord in order to obey. It also means to punish or to rebuke formally for an offense. I like this definition. It means a systematic training in obedience to authority. Systematic training in obedience to authority. How many know that you need to discipline your children? You, you can't let your children do whatever they want to do. And, and just like a good father and a good mother will train their children, God is a good God and a good father, and he's going to train us. He's going to discipline us. He's going to punish us. I know that doesn't sound, for, especially you word of faith people, you don't like the word punish. But God has a way to punish us. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna dism, to um, dismantle some faulty ideology around that. But there is a, a chastisement of the Lord, a discipline of the Lord. Also, it means to improve the orderlessness by training correction, and teaching. Now, this one is pretty good. Discipline means to impose order, to impose order. Something that's out of order, getting it back into order. That's what you should do with your children, right, and grandchildren. Or if you are a plorer, um, you need to discipline your employees. You need to um, train them. Also, punishment intended to correct or train. So this punishment that we're going to talk about is, 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 is designed to correct and train. It's not designed to harm you. There's some punishment that is diabolical, right? It's meant to destroy. But the punishment from the Lord or the, I know if I was to title this, receiving punishment from the Lord, It'll get a lot of eye, you know eyes, and maybe we should change it to that. I mean, who knows? It, just to, just to bring some understanding. Punishment intended to correct or train. Um, we, we hear the word punishment, and we automatically think of something negative. But biblical punishment is actually good. Amen. Amen. Um, to punish in order to listen to this. To punish in order to gain control or to enforce obedience. <laughs> that sounds like God to me. To punish in order to gain control or to enforce obedience. Now, God does not discipline or punish his kids like the devil does his children. Right? You know that the devil punishes his children. The Bible actually says this in Proverbs. The, the way of the transgressor is hard. And so you follow the devil long enough and he's going to punish you, but his punishment is a whole lot worse than God's punishment. He, he, he's, he's, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. His punishment has those three forces behind it. 
But God's punishment is to, to bring glory to himself and to make us like Jesus. So the goal of spiritual disciplines is to train us for obedience. You know, the servitude and fellowship and unity and giving and prayer and the word and fasting and resting. All of those are to help us to be in obedience to God. Amen. We can say amen and go home from that, right? But go with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Luke, I'm trying to pattern my life after Luke because Luke was a spirit-filled doctor. He was a spirit-filled theologian. And everywhere, between, see, the book of Luke and the book of Acts, they really go hand in hand. It's like um, two movies, like it's a part one and a part two. And so the book of Luke gives us the spirit-filled, not that the other gospels don't, but gives us a spirit-filled Jesus, a spirit-filled discipleship a spirit-filled way of living. And in the book of Acts, we see a spirit-filled church. So what Jesus did in the book of Luke, we, by, he modeled what the church did in the book of Acts. And Luke will always highlight the Holy Spirit. From the birth of Jesus, the birth of John the Baptist, and they were filled with the Spirit. You know, as Mary and Elizabeth got together. And so he's going to emphasize the Holy Spirit probably a little bit more than other Gospels. Now, John, John and Luke, they're competing because John emphasizes the Holy Spirit a lot as well. And then in the book of Acts, he goes in and he talks about the day of Pentecost. And so I'm not here to talk about Luke and Acts as much, but we're going to focus on page, uh, page uh, chapter 2, verse 44. And it, um, it actually, it's not chapter two, my bad. I was, I was thinking something else when I wrote that. Um, let's go to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, verse 44. It says this, And then he said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you. This is Jesus speaking. That everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And so we see there are, Jesus is dividing the Old Testament, um, Genesis through Malachi. He's breaking it up in three different categories. The law of Moses, which is the first five books of the Bible. And then you have um, the prophets, which is the major prophets and the minor prophets. Um, Isaiah is a major prophet. Micah is a minor prophet. Amos is a minor prophet. Jeremiah is a major prophet. And so he covers the, the prophets. And then you have the Psalms. Now, the Psalms is not limited to the books of Psalms, but it includes the book of wisdom. Job is considered a book of wisdom. Uh, Ecclesiastes, Lamentations, and Song of Solomon, those are considered books of wisdom. And so Jesus is covering all of the genres in the Old Testament and said, they speak concerning me. So the Old Testament is Christ concealed and the New Testament is Christ revealed. Jesus is alive and well in the Old Testament. You will, you will always see Jesus in the Old Testament. Don't look and pick wonderful um, um, stories and says, oh, look at David. He's had such great faith. Really, the story of David is a, about the story of Jesus and how Jesus defeated Satan. David representing Christ and, and Goliath representing Satan. So don't, let, don't get it twisted and get caught up in the narratives of these individuals because they're all pointing to one person, Jesus. Amen. And it goes on and says, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. What scriptures are, is, is Jesus referring to the Old Testament? And he said to them, some people are, I only stay with the, what's in the red. I want to tell you what's in the red is, is, is important, but so is the stuff that is not in red. There is not either or, there's all. <laughs> We need, to, we need the narrative of Genesis, and we need to, the revelation of, 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 of revelation. <laughs> we need all of it. And so the words of Jesus, sometimes people highlight the words of Jesus as if it's more, has more authority than other words. 
but all of it is good. Even the begots and even Leviticus, which your flesh is some, my flesh is challenged with. You know, dealing with Leviticus and then even dealing with all the, the law and different stuff. All you need all of it. It's a in order for you to have a well-balanced spiritual meal, you need old and new. <laughs> you need all of it. Eat it. Eat, eat it, eat it, eat it, eat it, eat all of it. Even the stuff that you can't pronounce, eat it. <laughs> Amen. Um, let's continue. In, in verse 46, and said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in the, his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. So I want to emphasize to you that part of the gospel is repentance. It's repentance from our sins. We need the forgiveness of sins. Uh, we, as you, some of y'all know, we are hosting two international um, students, and one of them actually brought me a book the other day from a bishop who's in Brazil, and he is, um, if you look him up, he's a billionaire. He's the, fame, um, the, the world's um, richest pastor. And, and he said that a lot of people in Brazil, they don't like him. And I said, well, he must be preaching the truth. <laughs> because if a, if, if a pastor, a well-known pastor, is liked about, by the world, we got a problem. And I sat there and told the two international students, I said, you know, the gospel offends. It's not going to make you feel good. It's going to offend you because it confronts you with your sins. It calls you to repent. And so the gospel, it deals with repentance. We're talking about receiving the disciplines of the Lord. So repentance for the forgiveness of sin is a part of the gospel. So, I, so the gospel offends. If everyone likes a preacher, he isn't preaching the full gospel. You, it's, go, it's going to make you uncomfortable. And the word repentance is simply, uh, it's not I'm sorry. <laughs> um, growing up, you know, uh, we would do something wrong and, and my mom said, you better repent. And I'll just say, I'm sorry, and go back and do the same thing. That, that's not repentance. Repentance is a change of mind going the opposite direction. It's not doing a 360. It's doing a 180. Repentance from smoking cigarettes is not smoking it again. A repentance from cussing the profanity is not doing it again. You can say, oh, I, excuse me, I, I, please forgive me. Lord, forgive me for cussing. And you go back and do it the next day. Uh, uh, forgive me. Um, repentance is, is a turning away. It's not just a crying. Um, as you, some of y'all know, I was a youth pastor, and we would have altar calls, and these kids would come down to the altar, and they would cry all day, and then they would go back and do the same thing. Mm -hmm. And there was a young man, um, he doesn't mind me telling you, his name is Sam Gozo. He actually would come to the altar every single Sunday because he felt like he needed to be saved. And then one day, he got it. He started walking with the Lord. And recently, he met with me, him and his um, fiance now, and he wanted his fiance Because you told me the truth, even, I kept, even though I came down to the altar every single Sunday, I finally got it, and I'm saved and serving the Lord and in a local church that preaches the gospel. Amen. Glory to God. Years later, we went to Hands, and me, him, and his girlfriend at the time, and sat down. He just wanted to thank me. Amen. And it's, it's amazing. Courtney will tell you that these young adults now are coming back to me. And I'm like, I would never have thought about it in a million years. And they said, thank you for preaching the truth. Thank you for telling me about hell. Thank you for calling me out on my space at the time. Um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And they're coming back and repenting and thanking me and, 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 and wanting me to meet their um, future. <laughs> And, and so he just sent us a save the date. He's getting married in July. And it's amazing to see this happening before my eyes. He's not the only one, but different ones have come to me. We were in Florida, Miami. Glory to God. Thank God for Miami. We were in Miami. And, and, I'm sorry. Got in the flesh. Will Smith says Miami is someplace you don't want to ever leave. But uh, um, we were in Miami, and we were meeting with a young man and his lovely wife, and he was thanking me as well, thanking us as well, not just me, but us. And how I many know it's good to preach the, the full gospel because that changes the lives of people, even if you don't see it right away. That seed of the word gets in a person and it grows when you don't, when everybody's acting, when that person is acting out, that word is still there working. 
working. That, that's why you got to plant the word in your children because train them and teach them in the way they should go. And when they're older, they won't depart. That word won't depart from them and call, will call them back to the hands and the arms of God. So plant the word. You may not see the fruit of it. See, your children are investment. You're investing. And that investment will pay off, but not right away. You might have to tell that person again and again and again. You might have to preach John 3, 16 and 17 a hundred times. And then one day, they may be 45 and all of a sudden a revelation. You're giving the Holy Spirit something to work with. Amen. Amen. That was free. Uh, and so um, the Holy Spirit will reveal where you are, where you're missing it, where you're missing it, both with God and man. He will deal with your heart. He will show you your sins. Now, that doesn't go over pretty well, just like it just didn't do it just a few minutes ago. But the Holy Spirit will show you your sin. He will reveal to you your sins. He's not just going to tell you how much God the Father loves you. All you got to do is look at John 3, 16. You'll see how much the Father loves you. So whether you feel it or not, it's not based on a feeling. It's based on the reality of redemption. Amen. Just look at redemption and you'll see the father's love. Whether you feel those, you know, people say, I, I, I just feel like he loves me. Feelings come and go. We're not to walk by feelings. So just because God disciplines us, it doesn't mean that he doesn't like us. And so here the Holy Spirit will call you on the carpet. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. He's not going to sit back and just let you do nothing. He, he, he's going, if you're reading the Bible and you're praying, he's going to call you to repentance. And if you're, not been, if you're not been called to repentance, you're not doing it right. You're not reading right. You're not praying right. He doesn't always tell you everything that you want to hear. He'll tell you to apologize to your spouse. He'll tell you to apologize to your children. He'll tell you to do, get things right with your animals. He'll tell you to get right with things with your employers, employees, your neighbor. He will not let that stuff slide. He's not going to be satisfied with you just asking, God, forgive me, and, and just carry it out. Sometimes you got you to go and talk to that person. He'll keep, he'll, he won't move anymore until you get that right. I think Courtney said, you know, it's not just you and God, but you, God, and his people. Man. And then we, there's a prayer that we should pray. Um, let's go over to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. <clears throat> Receiving the disciplines of the Lord. I, I tell you, I was going another direction. I had my little messages, message ready, and the Spirit of God would not let me get off of this. The way he deals with me, I, sometimes I go to write a sermon and write my notes and I want to, like, I have something in my heart, in my mind, and I'm looking at scriptures, and I'm, you know, trying to be faithful to that. I'm praying in the spirit, and, 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 and I'm telling you, I go, and, and it's just like I can't get off of it. If I force it, it's, 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 there's, there's gonna be, there won't be any life. And so I have to stay with that. And, and, and it kept just coming up, uh, receiving discipline, receiving the discipline of the Lord, receiving correction. Receiving punishment. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. Let's go there real quick. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Okay. Um, King Uzziah died, and then all of a sudden, Isaiah saw the Lord. Some call, some call Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, the fifth gospel. The fifth gospel. It is it, so important that as believers, we get into the book of Isaiah. We need to meditate on it. We need to baptize our, our minds in the book of Isaiah. It is not just a, a, a minor prophet, and, and not that I'm making light to belittle the minor prophets, but it's something to you need to know Isaiah. You need to see Jesus in Isaiah. You need to see yourself in Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah talked about this King Uzziah. He was a king in Israel. And the years of his reign was marked with peace and prosperity. 
and he started pleasing the Lord. The Bible actually says in Kings that he did everything that was pleasing in the sight of the Lord. But something he, he didn't please God with, he didn't remove all the other sanctuaries. Um, you know, he didn't just, he didn't remove the other thing, other places where people were worshiping idols. And then he ended up contracting leprosy, calling his son to be the co-reign, or co, like co-pilot or to help him reign um, while he was dying. Perhaps that was judgment. He was known as one of the most noble kings in Judah after Solomon. So this king Uzziah, he, was, he, he brought peace and prosperity. The Lord was able to use his reign to bless his people. And the Bible says in the year he died, Isaiah saw the Lord. Sometimes we, we have a Uzziah in our life, in our lives, and we're looking at this Uzziah and, and we can't see the Lord. He needs to die. He needs to die. What is stopping you from seeing the Lord? Even something good can be an obstacle. It might be blocking your view of the Lord. The Holy Spirit will reveal these things to you. The Holy Spirit will show you your idols. Pray this prayer after me. Say, Holy Spirit, show me my idols. Now get ready for conviction to come. Expect God to show you, God the Holy Spirit to show you your idols this week. He will not, that prayer will be the quickest prayer you have ever had to answer besides accepting Jesus. He wants to show you your idols. Say this, reveal to me what is blocking me from seeing Jesus. What, what has more place in my heart than Christ? Give me the strength to repent from what you show me. Prepare my heart and mind for the revelation of idols in my life. God is at work now. He's at work now. You, you, just, you just said a prayer. He's, gonna, he's, he's just set you up to give you a revelation of the idols. So look for the idols so you can destroy them. So you can take them down. There's a prayer in Ephesians 3 that we pray. It says this that Christ may dwell in your heart. He's talking to Christian. He, he's praying that Christ will be the only one that sits on the, upon the throne of your heart. That's what he's praying. He's, may Christ be the center of your life, not just first. You know, you can be first and then you have everything else, but the center, you, everything flows from the center. The core, as the woman of God said, the core. Pay attention to the core. What's, what's controlling the core? What, what's the center of your life? Amen. Let's continue. Verse 2. And, 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 you know, it says, his, his train filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six, six wings. Sometimes people are like, oh, I want to see an angel. And they think about like a baby angel or, or they think about like an angel with two wings. But, but how many know that the creatures, creatures that God has created, there's something unique. Some of them got eyes all around their, eye, their faces. They have a face of a lion. I mean, these, these are not, you're not going to be like, oh, hey, how you doing, little creature? It's going to scare you. You know, the first thing that angels would say when they would appear to people, fear not. Fear not. Fear not. Because it's a tendency to, 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 to get scared, to allow the spirit of fear to, to control you. And, and, and John, who was an apostle, who was close to Jesus, he, an angel appeared to him. And showed him what to come. And he, that dude wanted to lay down and worship the angel. And the angel said, oh, no, 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 no. I'm just a, a co-servant as you are. <laughs> don't, don't worship. Angels will never make you or invite you to worship them. So how do you know if it's our God? It's not going to say, hey, look at me. Come on, come on, worship. Let's, yeah, worship. You know, the angel. Or you'll see a, like a statue of Mary blood coming down. No, that's not God. That's a familiar spirit. That's an evil spirit at work. And just because it's supernatural doesn't mean it's God. 
Everything supernatural is not God. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, you can have, I have, we have a friend and he, his father is a witch doctor. He says, I grew up with my father. Um, you know, he you don't have to go and get a, a glass. It just comes to him right there in front of him. People are like, oh, that's nothing. You know, we, 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 somebody start. I remember a missionary um, talked about how she was in uh, a part of, in the continent of Africa and, and, and the witch doctor started levitating. And she got scared. She didn't know what to do. And, and she's like, Jesus! And he fell. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, don't, 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 be, don't be moved by signs and wonders. All right? You told me something that I, that I, I didn't tell nobody. Yeah. God can do that all the time. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, don't be moved by that. If somebody have a word for you, don't be, don't be word junkies. Get the word and you always have a word. You know what I'm saying? I mean, somebody prophesy. Don't be moved by the gift of prophecy. Receive it if it's of the Spirit of God, but just because they tell you details of your life, don't be moved by those things. Amen. That's for somebody. It's going to save your life. And so we see each has six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. With two, he flew. <laughs> That's pretty deep. And one called to another and said, Notice they didn't even say this to the Lord. I know we sing it to the Lord. Holy, you are holy. They said it one to each other. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Notice they, they, they spoke it to each other. Holy, 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 holy. So they're, they're around the Lord. Holy, holy, holy. They go, it's like a competition. Holy, holy. They're, sitting, they're getting a glimpse of his holiness. I heard one man of God say this. They're seeing something for the first time, every time. Something about the Lord every time. They're not seeing the same. See, some of y'all got the same old Jesus you had when you got saved. But when you get a glimpse of his glory every time, you, it'll be a change. Holy. Your life will become more holy as you get a deeper glimpse of his glory. The, the more you see his holiness, the more you'll change. He does not fellowship with the old you. He fellowships with the change you. And the more you see his glory, the more you'll be holy. Because out of holiness, you be holy. You can't be holy without beholding his holiness. Holy, holy, holy. They're seeing something different about God every time. Every time you behold his word, every time you pray, you should see something different about God. Don't, don't read the Bible plan and be so familiar with it. Oh, I read that last year. No, there's something greater. There's, there's a revelation in, even in, in the begots. Uh, um, there's a revelation in every chapter, in every verse. It, it'll take a lifetime. It'll take eternity to extract the revelation in each verse. Hallelujah. Holy, holy. Um, and in the, in the first four, and the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. You know, some, some people get upset when they see a couple people run around and shout and speaking in tongues, but wait till the till people start seeing smoke like they did in Azusa, on Azusa Street in Los Angeles, 1906, with Daddy Seymour. He, the man prayed so much that the glory came down, and they called the fire, the fire station because they thought it was on fire. Paul and, 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 and Saul prayed so hard and worshiped so hard that God shook the jail. And people are upset when people get shaken. What's wrong with them? They're shaking. Wait till the building starts shaking. <laughs> God, God felt so good with that praise. And the Bible says his, his feet, the earth is his footstool. So he started moving his feet and it shook the jail, the foundation of it. And set the prisoners free. You pray so hard, you'll set yourself free and everybody in your household. <laughs> I dare you. I double dog dare you to praise God like you never praised them before. And watch them set you free. Shackles you didn't even know you had was coming off of you. <laughs> There's something about it. You want to invite God, you start praising him and telling him how much you love him and how much he means to you. I'm telling you, that's all that what tongues is. Tongues is simply that you're expressing how much God, how, how much Jesus means to you that you, word, your, your native tongue cannot express. Yes, 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 yes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
Hallelujah. The foundation shook. Five, it says, I said, woe is me, for I'm lost. For I'm a man with in the midst of a people with unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. His holiness is trauma, R.C. Sproul. His holiness is trauma to us. Uh, when we think about the holiness of God, we're saying he's another. He's not like you and I. He's unlike us. Isaiah said that he, he, he says, woe is me. When you really experience the, the God or encounter the God of the Bible, you're going to say, woe is me. And your face is going to hit the ground. I know, I, I, don't get, I love the song, I'm a friend of God. I'm a, I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. And, and when you really see him, you'll be like, whoa, woe is me. What, what matter of love is this that you call me your friend? You call me your son or your daughter. Woe is me. Oh, oh, I need the Christ because he's the one, only one that lived the perfect life, died a vicarious death, and re was raised with a glorious resurrection. And he's the only one to make me worthy to be his friend, to be his son, to be his slave. Come on. He's the only one. When you really see the Lord, you'll understand how much you need the Christ. He's not just a figure in history. He, he is the substitute. He is the God-man. He is the bridge between God and humanity. No one can get to God the Father unless you get through Jesus. Amen? And it goes on. It says this, um, verse 6, And then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal, and he had to take the tongues from the altar, and he touched my mouth. And he said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. Uh, Isaiah was able to see himself for the way he really is. We don't really see ourselves the way that we really are. The world and self-help tells us we're okay. But I'm here to tell you, we're not okay. We need the Christ. We need the Christ. We're not okay. We're not okay. Yes, God is madly in love with you. He loves you so much, he's going to tell you the truth about yourself. Mm -hmm. and, and James chapter 1 says, as you behold his word, deceiving yourselves, you behold in the mirror the way that you really are. And if you get away from the word, you forget what type of person you really are. You, you, don't, you, you know, if you don't stay in the mirror long enough, right, if you go weeks and days with, and months without looking in the mirror, you'd be looking crazy. But you think you're okay. So the mirror is there to show you a real reflection of the way things really are. The Holy Spirit is called the spirit of truth, the spirit of reality. He's going to show you the reality, the real you. A real godly counselor will show you yourself will show you the situation from the real, realistic, grounded-in reality. Marriage, marriage made in heaven, reality. It may be made in heaven, but you got to work it out on earth. Dr. Lawrence Powell. <laughs> Amen. So, um, he, he, he took, um, the angel took, um, the tongues and, and, and touched his mouth because the mouth is a reflection of what's in the heart. Jesus said it's what comes out of the heart that defiles a person. See, you can eat pork all day and not be defiled. But let me tell you something. It's what comes out of your mouth that defiles you. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I know there's healthy way of living and, and, and whatnot. That's good. But what I'm saying, that doesn't defile you. It doesn't defile you. What defiles you is if you're using the F word all the time, that's defiling you. You gossiping is defiling you. You're talking doubt and unbelief. It's defiling you. It, you lying. It's defiling you. And so the tongue, the mouth needed to be uh, cleansed. And so this angel touched of Isaiah. Isaiah saw that he was not okay, and then he saw that, he says, whoa, I dwell among a people with unclean lips. So he saw society correctly from reality, God's reality. He was able to see himself properly. He was able to see society correctly. 
when you see how crazy society is. Society is not okay. The majority is wrong. <laughs> Narrow is the way that leads to life. And broad is the way that leads to destruction. So if you see the majority going, most likely they're going in the wrong way. Let's go on reviews. <laughs> I know I live by reviews. Sorry. <laughs> Let's see. How to, let's look. No, it's, it's greater than that. It's greater than that. Majority is not. Is not. God is the, really the majority. <laughs> let's go with him. <laughs> he trumps everybody, including Trump. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay, so the tongue. The Lord provided a solution by the angels touching his lips or his tongue. If I get my lips or my mouth right, I can get my heart right. James chapter 3 tells us that the tongue is the most important, it's a dangerous member of the body. Because wherever the tongue, whatever the tongue says, the body lines up. So you got to get your mouth right. Your mouth. Um, Psalm 119 verse 11 says, I've hid your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Psalm 45 verse 1, it says, I, you have written your word on my heart by the the, give me the tongue of, the, of a ready, uh, ready writing pen, writer, I'm sorry. Um, as I speak the word of God, I'm writing the word in my heart. So your mouth, cleaning your mouth up, you'll clean your life up. Amen. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Some of y'all have been speaking death in your life. But instead, speak life into your life by using your words, changing your confessions. He's the great high priest of our confession. And when we say the bad stuff, Satan becomes the high priest of our confession. Jesus will bring to pass the things of God and the things of the spirit. Satan will bring to pass the things of the flesh. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. All right, real quick while I finish up. Hebrews 13, uh, excuse me, Hebrews chapter 12. Receiving the disciplines of the Lord. How many know we need to receive his correction? Receive his instruction. You need to be open to the way he speaks and deals with us. Um, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 3 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which clings so closely to us, or so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So it says we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. And let me tell you what the part of the cloud of witnesses is all the great men and women who was in Hebrews chapter 11. Therefore, you know, so all these great men and women of God, or I should say great followers of God, because they're really not great men and women of God. They're just only great followers of God. Some of us follow God greater than others. So the, it's not so great. It's just that we're great followers. We, we receive his instructions and his dis, d- discipline a little bit better than other people, right? You got to think, see yourself like that. And so these great these kind of witnesses, there's a grandstand. And when we make spiritual progress, they're cheering us on. They're, they don't see your everyday life. I know people say, when you're watching from heaven, one sweet day, um, boys to men and Mariah Carey. Once we, and we watch, you know, you're a star. No, 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 no. They, they're not concerned about you, especially if they're in hell, right? <laughs> they're not looking on you. You know, they're not looking down like, oh, look, they had a baby. Oh, I'm so happy. They bought their first house. They got their first deal. Yeah. No, they don't see those things. They see spiritual progress. And so when we move in the spirit, we, we walk in faith and we fulfill the will of God and the plan of God and we run our race with endurance, they are cheering us Oh, They just made a move. They, did, they just made a jump for God. They just, oh, they, oh, they, they just said a praise that shook, shook some things up. Oh, God. Oh, they just witnessed to somebody and they came into faith. All the heavens rejoice over one sinner who repents. Oh, oh, they just encouraged a brother and a sister. Oh, they, oh, look, they're doing the will of God. They're seeing the spiritual progress. And they're cheering us on from the grandstand. Come on, you can do it. I did it. I did it. Oh, Paul is saying, I did it. I finished my course. Now it's your turn. This is your season. This is your, that's the real season. I'm not talking about the season of oh, prosperity, and, uh, and I love that song. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm not knocking that. What I'm saying is the real season is this race that you have, how you deal with it. <laughs> Can you take it and still tick? <laughs> Can you keep prog- making progress when life is beating you up, 
when, when, when the devil's coming after you, can you still stand? Can you stand the rain? New edition concert, April 1st. <laughs> Glory to God, sorry. Nork. <laughs> Glory to God. Sorry, sorry, Lord. I got in the flesh. See, they, they would listen to the sermon, and I said that part, poop. <laughs> they turned it off. Lord said, he got in the flesh. Oh, Lord, he talking about the new edition again. I, I'm telling you, I wanted to go, we wanted to go so bad when it came to Philly. I was like, man. And then somebody going to say, I didn't know Bishop Jake's joined new edition. <laughs> I was like, Lord, forgive them, for they know what, not what they say. You'll catch it on the way home. <laughs> All right. Um, making a, lay aside every weight. So you got these cloud of witnesses. It says lay aside every weight. A weight may be something that's good, but it's holding you back. <laughs> what's, so, what's good in your life right now that is not God? <laughs> Just because it's good doesn't mean it's God. Every opportunity is not God. And every closed door is not God. It doesn't mean that it's not God. So, so don't, don't, don't be moved by opportunities. Don't be moved by money. Don't be moved by people. Don't move somewhere for people. Because you get there, they'll move. <laughs> you, you'll get the job and they'll leave the job. Uh, the circumstances may change. You got to follow the spirit of the Lord. Amen. And so lay aside the weight. Um, um, the weight may be, um, it's not necessarily bad, but it could be distractions. Uh, it could be friends, um, social media. Those are weights. Those things could weigh you down. You're so busy looking at other people's lives that you forget to live your own. Uh, 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 you know, it's just, we, we got to lay aside the weight. And it says, um, also the sin that so easily beset us, King James. Um, the sin that so easily causes us to fall. Lay us, let us lay aside. Let us forsake the sin. Whatever that sin is that you seem to not be able to get over, uh, you got to put that to death. And then it says, run your race with endurance. <laughs> this is not a sprint. <laughs> This, this is a marathon. You, you got to run with patience. You can't grow yourself spiritually overnight. You, you, you can't become all that God wants you to become from an altar call. Let me just get somebody to pray for me, get this anointing, and then I can live my life. <laughs> it's not going to happen that way. It's an endurance. As you're faithful what you got, he gives you more. Amen. You, the, the, you may say, well, I just got a little anointing. Be faithful with that little anointing. What did, you know, some people want the big anointing. I'll just, I, I want the anointing to raise the dead. But can you raise yourself up from the sleep when it's time to pray? Uh, George Myers said this. Can you take authority over the dishes before you can take authority over the demons? <laughs> can you take, this is George Myers again. Can you take authority over the shopping cart and take it back <laughs> before you take over a nation? <laughs> It's the little things, the little foxes that spoil the vine, right? It's, it's those, you know, dealing with your kids and, and whining and eating and, and pooping and peeing and, and up and down. And I don't feel like a Christian. And this is not the life I, I designed for myself. Can you still be a Christian when you're not getting everything you want? <laughs> uh, that went over really well. <laughs> um, it, it says, look into Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And so look into Jesus, look into Jesus, clinging to him, holding on to him. And then go, verse 3 says, consider him who endured from, from sinners such hostility against himself that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. It's a temptation to grow weary. And your struggle against sins, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. <laughs> and have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? And this is from Proverbs. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproof, reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, we've seen a lot of people like that, in which all have participated, when you are, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who had disciplined us, our mothers, and respected them, 
shall not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live. For they discipline us for a short time and as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment of all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So going to the gym, getting your, your get in shape it's, it's, it's painful for the moment. Turning down the cookies and, and turning, come on, and it may, it's painful for the moment. But it's going to be better for your good later on. Amen. Um, it, the things that you do now will affect you in your latter years. Amen. Some people are living in glory in their latter years because they didn't, they ate right. They, they, they worked out. Now, not everybody, because some people, 119, they be like, oh, I gave up smoking last week. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've heard testimonies of that. I'm like, oh, wow, what happened? <laughs> but but, but that, that's just grace. That's not, that's, not the, that's not the norm. That's not the standard. You can't expect to eat McDonald's every day and expect to live long. All right? And so the discipline is, is, is for a moment. The Lord disciplines the one he loves. He chastises every son whom he receives. Y'all got a few more minutes. Um, if you aren't being disciplined, then you're not a son or a daughter. Um, the Lord would not allow you to continue on this journey without correction. What kind of God will allow you to continue on and never correct you? So, so some of us have, have not been corrected by the Lord in a long time. So that has to, we have to check our salvation, examine ourselves and see if we'll be in the faith. He's going to correct us if you're in the faith. He's not going to let you go down a ditch. He's going to do whatever it takes to get you off that path. If you pray and read the word and never experience his discipline, you're not doing it right. Okay, so that said, let's talk about the Lord's dis what the Lord's dis discipline isn't. Got to clarify this. L the Lord's discipline isn't sickness, disease, and pain. Right. <laughs> so he's punishing me. <laughs> I got this pain. <laughs> no, no, I mean, no, no, that's not the Lord. Like the sickness, disease, and pain, that's not the Lord. G he only made one person sick, and that's Jesus, so that you and I can walk in health. Healing. Healing belongs to the children of God. It's the children's bread. He's a healing God. I'm the Lord God of Exodus. I'm the Lord the God that healeth you. And he continues to heal us every single day. Healing belongs to you. Don't sit there and let the If you get cancer, oh, I guess the Lord is teaching me something. No, the devil's trying to take you out. I guess they, the Lord really loved me so much that he, did, he needed another angel. He doesn't need another angel. I hate when they say that at funerals. He just needed another angel. No, he, he got all the angels he needs. He doesn't need another angel. Like, and he's not going to make you an angel. Like, you die, you're just going to be there. You're like, man, I should, oh, I could have really lived out my life. This really belonged to me. <laughs> all right, uh, another thing, the, Lord, the Lord's discipline isn't accidents. The car accident. The Lord was teaching me something. You know, he know I needed that money. You know, I had to, you know, I got gap insurance, right? You know, and so Lord know that this was a burden. So he allowed me to get an accident. So I wipe it right. Supernatural cap, debt cancellation, gap insurance. It's a gap band. <laughs> Praise the Lord. No, that's not, that's not the Lord's discipline. Um, anything that's harmful to you, anything that's harmful to you, or anything that produces anger in you, that makes you turn away from God isn't the discipline of the Lord. Uh, this is a big one, death. Death is an enemy. Hebrew says that. And so, so death is not your friend. It's not your friend. So, oh, so-and-so, I lost so He must be changed. And, you know, you know, no, no. And King Uzziah died. We don't know why he died. But that's not the Lord disciplining that nation. All right, so how do you know if the discipline is from God? I'm going to quote from the scripture. It yields peaceful fruit of righteousness. If it's not yielding 
peaceful fruit of righteousness is not a discipline from God. If it doesn't produce holiness in your life, being burned by the fire does not produce holiness in your life. You know, oh, he, oh, he wanted to burn something. He burned something in me, so he allowed me to get burnt. I mean, you, you, you go ahead and burn your child, and you'll be without a child. The world has enough sense to say, you know what? You don't need to have this child. Uh, and, and, and the insurance company, they got thrown. Acts of God. <laughs> you know, the tree fell over the house. Acts of God. No, no, he's not disciplining you. Um, next one. It makes you more like Jesus. It draws you to the Lord. It doesn't draw you away from the Lord. All right, let's talk about real quick how God uses, what does, how does God, what does God use to discipline us? Now, this is not limited. It's not an exhaustive list. It's just a few things. First is the word of God. He uses the word. God, you know, get rid of that. He's teaching me something. He's going to teach you his word. He's not going to teach you through circumstances. Oh, he must be teaching me something because I'm going through hell on my job. No, maybe you did something to go through hell. They're looking at me because you were late all the time. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, sometimes, I remember, I'll never forget this. I'm in Bible college, and I'm going to have this young man to come and teach. Good friend of mine in, in Dallas. He, he was like, you know, he, he used his phone. This is before cell phones got big. And he used his phone, and he was, like, witnessing to everybody on the phone and so forth. And, you know, we were in Bible college. He called everybody back at home. Back then, it cost a lot of money from long distance. And, and so, after, you know, I think before 9 or something. And, and so he was calling everybody, the Lord is using me on the phone, you know. All the information he's learning in Bible college, he's giving it out to people at home. And then his phone gets turned off. And he, he, all of a sudden, he wants to rebuke the devil. The devil, you know, the devil came in and turned my phone off because he know people are getting blessed. No, you need to pay your bill. I mean, that, that's, a, that's, that, that's common sense, right? It, it, like, no, the devil had nothing to do with that. It, it, you didn't pay your bill. And one time I had a car repo, repo. like they came and got the car. And I'm up here praying and whatnot. And, and the lady said to me, no, you didn't pay your bill. <laughs> I, that's it. I got a car that I couldn't afford. And therefore, they can't, it wasn't a blessing, it was a curse because it was a burden. So I couldn't make up the payments, and they came and got that joker. And I knew they were going to come and get it because I took everything out at lunchtime. And then, and then uh, when, they, when it was gone, uh, my coworkers, I didn't want to be feeling embarrassed. I was so prideful. I was like, oh, man, somebody stole my car, had the police out there and everything. I know it in my heart. Then they came and got the car because I took everything out. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Praise him. Lies. <laughs> um, God uses the per God uses the person and ministry of the Holy Spirit to bring discipline. Spirit of God will reveal to you. He will prompt you. You'll get convicted about something. Your conscience, Kevin talked about conscience. Your conscience will speak to you. The Spirit of God inside of your spirit, your conscience is the voice of the human spirit. And it can be trusted if you're born again you got the Holy Spirit inside. Some people's conscience allow them to do anything. But the, the conscience of the believer, it, it's it should be governed by the Word and the Spirit of God. And so you can trust that conscience, that, that recreated Spirit speaking up because the Holy Spirit is inside of that Spirit saying, Wait a minute, something not right. You know what you did was wrong. That word that you just said was wrong. You talk the way that you talk to your spouse, the way that you just gossip about your, your, your supervisor, the way that you just damn your company that pays your bill that God uses to feed you. It is unscriptural for you to talk about your manager and the job that you work at because it is the very hand that God uses to feed you. All right, on the next one. God uses spiritual leaders to bring discipline. Another one is God uses brothers and sisters in Christ to bring discipline. God uses your spouse and your kids <laughs> to bring discipline. And this is a big one. God uses the uncomfortable situations such as you wanting to leave a job to bring discipline. 
So when we talk about God uses trials, we got to clarify that, right? But, but he's not, not the accident is not of the Lord, but you're in the situation, so he's using that situation to see what you're going to do. Thank God for the opportunity to put into practice what you believe. See, when, you, you, when you're in school, you're getting knowledge, right? And church is like school, right? Everybody want to talk about the church like a hospital. I'm tired of hearing that. I heard that all my life. The church is a school. So you're in school. You've been trained. You're in the Word. You're doing these spiritual disciplines. And then when the trial comes, it's a time to put into practice what you believe. Tests. Well, I don't hear God. You already heard, you already heard God. He gave you all the answers for the comprehensive exam. You just got to put them into practice. So when the test comes, because it's coming, <laughs> just go ahead and, and, and trumpet. Get an A. Amen. God uses people to bring discipline. So that ungodly boss, <laughs> it's an opportunity for you to really show how much you in love with Jesus. God, listen, I love Jonathan McReynolds, but God is not in the business of delivering you from people. I'm telling you, no, no. It's not the will of God for you to be totally delivered from people. I know he got your song, deliver me from people. No, I understand that. But no, no, you, you're supposed to be there. He's going to surround you. He's going to allow you to be in the midst of people that get on your last nerve. To produce patience in you. Long-suffering. Uh, I, want, I, want the pay, I want to be like Job, get double for my trouble. You got to go, go through what Job went through. Endure the hardship as a good soldier. Don't, AWOL, don't walk off. No, 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 stay in there. Keep, keep going, keep applying the word. I'm making these confessions, and this just seem like it's getting worse. Keep saying it. I'm praying in tongues, and oh, hell breaks up. Keep praying. I'm giving, and, and all my finances are jacked up. Keep giving. I'm praising and I feel like it's not going anywhere. It doesn't sound like Maverick City. It doesn't matter because Maverick City may sound good, but what's really going on in the heart? Got to listen to the heart-filled praise, the heart-full praise, not just the praise that sounds good. When you sin and you ain't got the greatest voice, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't feel good. It's cold and you don't want to be singing those songs. You want to cuss and you feel like giving up. True praise. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Now, God will deliver you from unreasonable and wicked men and strange women and strange men. <laughs> that strange woman is not sent from God <laughs> to break up your marriage. Home records. <laughs> Stay away from them. <laughs> I recognize. Peace out. <laughs> All right. Last but not least, God uses persecution to discipline his children. What scripture you have, PD? Book of Acts. The church got real comfortable in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the place to be. A bunch of Christians there, people converting from Judaism, and they were worshiping, oh, praising God. All of a sudden, God says, you know what? I didn't fill you with the Holy Spirit for you to stay in Jerusalem. So let me allow persecution to come, because Percy's not so cute. Persecution to come to spread the church so they can spread the message. So he allows persecutions to come to bring discipline because we get too comfortable in our relationship with him. So he has to put a little fire on you. He got to make you feel. Christian life is not a comfortable life. He calls you out of your, un, your, 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 your con, <laughs> complacency into a place of really stepping out and obeying him. All right. All that to say this. This is my last point. How to receive the discipline of the Lord. They're going to go hand in hand, so bear with me. One, open your eyes. Open your eyes. You'll see the discipline of the Lord. Number two, repent. And we say repentance is not just asking God, telling God you're sorry, but you're changing there's a change that's taking place. And change only comes from you applying the word of God and the empowerment of the spirit. It is through the spirit we put to death the deeds of the body. You need the power of the Holy Spirit 
to put to death that bad attitude, that wrongful thinking, that wrongful mindset, that wrongful mouth. It takes the spirit of God, repentance. Number two, stay humble. I mean, you got to stay humble if you want to receive the discipline of the Lord. You got to humble yourself. It says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Hum, be teachable. Right, and this, this ties into the next one. Be willing, hear the Lord via word or Holy Spirit. Be willing to hear what you don't want to hear. So when you pray, there are times that he's going to tell you things that you don't want to hear. The Christian life is not about God fulfilling your dreams. He's going to deal with you about things that you don't want to hear. How many know it's not always easy? Um, number five, receive correction from godly people. We talked a little bit about that before, but receive correction from godly people. Um, the next one is you receive discipline with joy. We talked about the joy of the Lord. So, Lord, I don't want to do this, but I count it all joy when I fall into diverse kinds of temptations and trials. I, 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 I consider joy. I think about Jesus who for the joy that was set before him. That doesn't mean happy. You're not, happiness is based on what's happening, right? But joy is based on your relationship with Christ. So it doesn't mean that God doesn't, doesn't want you to be having fuzzy feeling and happy. He wants you to have true joy. Endurance. That you can go through hell and still love him. You can lose everything and everybody and you still love him. Come on. I mean, just the ability to, to stand in his grace and not be moved by circumstances. Loving Jesus regardless of what's happening. Amen. Um, um, develop, the next one is develop endurance. That's connected, right? And, and, and develop endurance. When you're in the fire, just keep going. Just keep going. You're going to come out. You're going through some financial challenges. Just keep going. It's, it's, it's gonna, money comes and money goes. Keep going. Keep believing. Keep giving. Keep loving. Keep witnessing. Can be in the light. Come on. You don't give up. That, that candle does not blow out, when, you know, of course, with wind and whatnot. But it, it, it just keeps burning. If you don't, right, let's say it keeps burning. That candle keeps burning until there's no more left. Be the light of the world. Keep being the light even when the world is going crazy and there's, there's gross darkness. Keep being the light. Keep saying the truth. Keep loving people even, even when they hate you, even when they're persecuting you. Keep loving them. Bless those that curse you and pray for those that despitefully use you. Give towards those that don't want to receive from you. Come on, keep loving and keep being the light and being a witness. All right, um, this goes together. All the last three, I'm going to put it together. Reverence the Spirit of God. Have enough reverence that I'm going to recognize when he speaks to me and prompts me, and I, I reverence and I honor his words. Next one is stay in the word. You got to stay in the word. And last but not least, pray much. Let me go over it real quick because I see people taking notes. One, open your eyes. Two, repent. Three, stay humble. Four, hear the Lord via word slash Holy Spirit. And I put in side notes, be willing to hear what you don't want to hear. Number five, um, receive correction from godly people. Number six, develop endurance when you're in the fire and going through. Let's talk about this, receive correction from godly people. Uh, I, had, I remember working at Red Lobster Bible College, and there was this homosexual, this guy, he was, he was a homosexual. And every Friday night, me and my friend, we, we would go to the movies and he said to me, he says, because I didn't listen to secular music at that time. <laughs> what about now, Petey? I do. I listen to some good secular music. <laughs> uh, though that Kanye West documentary got me listening to stuff, I'm like, wait a minute. I guess I can handle it. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry. Anyway. <laughs> All right. That's neat here. But that's a good though. I mean, I, I'm not, again, I'm, I'm, here I am endorsing ungodly stuff. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Uh, language is bad, but if you can see through that lens. All right, flesh. All right, so he said to me, this homosexual guy, he said, you don't listen to secular music, but you go and see mafia movies. What's the difference? I never forgot that. I'm like, oh, I couldn't answer him. 
He said, but you said second music is so bad, but yet you every Friday you go in to look at mafia movies. Conviction. So, correction. That's all I'm trying to say. Sometimes it may come through ungodly people. God can use ungodly people to speak to you. When I was at Enterprise, this guy did not know the Lord at all. He said, you need to be, at, you need to be full-time in ministry and serving God. You give him all your time at Enterprise, give him to the Lord. And then he just went on cussing. <laughs> True story. Nice kid, but spoke the word. When I was at Budweiser, the man's like, don't lose your family over this job. I was like, okay. He said it three times. And it just went into me. I was like, oh, I got to go. <laughs> Pandemic happened. And they said, family at Kerak, peace out. <laughs> My escape. Sorry. <laughs> and that's it, right? Oh, number six, develop endurance. Number seven, with joy. Receive discipline with joy. Number eight, reverence the spirit of God. Number nine, stay in the word. Number 10, pray much. That's the word of the Lord for you. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. That concludes this week's message, and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Rancocas, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His Word. God bless you.